the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. are here on Halloween Falls on a Sunday this year. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Tonight is Halloween. Listen to that organ. That's you would have thought, you know. An yeah, John, you know John. He's got these. He's well, got it it's appropriate. We are into the the minor prophets here on the Bible Live broadcast, <laughs> and uh, Zachariah in particular uh, includes in his. And, and we'll be talking about Zechariah uh, this evening. Uh, among what, what, what we got, five or six, we're going to be talking about passages from Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zach, Zach, Zephaniah, Haggai, Haggai, and Zechariah. Yeah. Six books. And Zechariah in particular, he got some pretty spooky uh, visions and uh, <laughs> imagery in his in his. Um, book as well but uh, anyway everyone welcome to the bible live broadcast uh this is soapy dollar stacy my daughter is beside me we've been going over these minor prophets uh for the last what two or three weeks now we've been going through these (laughs) after isaiah jeremiah ezekiel and daniel then we come to these these listings of prophets whose Ministries were shorter. Their works were not quite as long. The, the books that they wrote, their sermons, their visions, their uh, the the words that they heard from the Lord. Um, except Zechariah is kind of the major minor. Probably <laughs> he's kind of he's kind of that uh, thirteen chapters, a uh, fairly long work. Many of them ministered over forty or fifty years, but the, but their particular. Uh, the messages they recorded in their books um, were shorter. Now, when we talk about these minor prophets or we talk uh, the different prophets, we talk about their messages. Uh, these were not just one sermon they preached one Sunday, and it's their favorite sermon. This, these uh, messages are messages that, that characterized their time, their years of ministry. 
And if you go to thebiblelive.com, by the way, thebiblelive.com, you can find all of our readings. We read through the entire Bible every year. And this is, this week coming up is the last week of our 20th year through the Bible from 2001 to 2021 for 20 years, 20 times through the Bible. 20th time to read Revelation. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And this coming week, we will read Malachi on Monday evening and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday will be four nights dedicated to reading our way through the book of the Revelation, which always falls here around Halloween. We kind of did that purposely because uh, as the scripture lines up with our national holidays, we think of Halloween. uh, Some people don't even observe it at all. Uh, I know the Hispanic or Latin is um, the celebration of the dead, the day of the dead. Uh, it's an idea that the recognition of death is reality, and we uh, recognize the loss and grieve the loss or celebrate the lives of people that we've lost in our lives, loved ones and family members and so on. So that's an aspect of it. But the idea of Halloween has become ghosts and goblins and witches and riding on broomsticks and only things like that, a little bit of uh, emphasis on the on the supernatural realm and so on. Well, we kind of tied it to the book of the Revelation because, of course, the book of Re- Revelation has these visions and these uh, uh, prophecies and so on, these messages, Apoc- apocalyptic Apoc- images and in, in, uh, tales. And so it talks, it talks about the spiritual realm, the angelic realm, the demonic realm, and so on. And so we kind of put it around this time of the year just because so that, so that if we're interested in really knowing what the spiritual dimension is all about, when we turn to the scriptures, it does say there is a, there is a spiritual dimension, a spiritual realm. There are spiritual beings. We, in fact, human beings, we are spiritual creatures. We are, we are not our bodies. Uh, we we possess, we own, we express ourselves uh, through our bodies. We take in and experience through the five senses, the world around us, and we also express through our, our speech and our gestures and so on, our actions. We we express ourselves, our ideas and thoughts and opinions and so on, and decisions. To uh, out to the physical realm, to the physical world, so that we. But we are not our bodies. We 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 inhabit this body. It's uh, we tabernacle in this body. Our spiritual, uh, our spirits are at home in these bodies. We also have a soul, a soulish capacity to um, think and reason and create, and we express uh, feelings, and, and so on through our. Uh, we express and experience those through our soul, and we exp- and we communicate those to other soulish beings, our feelings and thoughts and opinions, uh, are through the kind of what I've come to think of is kind of the, the neurological. It's not physical as such. Uh, you've got signals, uh, electronic signals being sent from the brain. To through the nerve system to the muscle and says raise your right hand and so we raise our right hand. Uh, in other words, it's kind of the not and in the emotional, the uh, the biochemical, the hormonal systems, uh, all 
kind of mysterious, really, <laughs> yeah. the way those function and work and feelings and all. But all of that, the soulish a- action is we, we possess soulish capacity and a soulish uh, I think of it as the neurological system in a way. Uh, we express uh, feelings and thoughts and so on and, and have those. So we have a soul as well, but we are a spirit. We are a living spirit. We are a being with independent identity and free will to decide, uh, particularly, ultimately, our relationship with God, to, to know God or, or not to know God to trust him, to obey him, to love him, to desire God or not to, and to seek him or not to seek him. So, uh, but we are a living spirit. But anyway, uh, where was I going with all that? The, the, <laughs> the Halloween in the time of Revelation, actually the whole Bible talks to us about the spiritual dimension of life, but that's why we have it tied down um, the book of the Revelation here to the the end of our reading period, which ends yeah. somewhere around uh, around Halloween. And here. I always love Revelation. Um, there, you know, begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And when you think of you know Hall- Halloween is a, I always, well, you know, I have a young a, a young child, so he's seven, and I always concerned about well, what are we actually celebrating though? You know, so I, <laughs> I have right. a little bit of a you know, about Halloween, but candy—that's what we're that's celebrating. Honest, let's be honest, right? Yeah. If you hear crinkling in the studio, that's what it is. So you know, <laughs> so I'm not opposed to that. Don't tell everything you know, I know now. Right? Come on. Um, but you know, that that is a really beautiful. Um, and and it's kind of about our fears, and so Halloween can bring, can bring those to the surface. Mm-hmm. And the only way in which we really can celebrate something that is kind of a, a meant to be a fearful thing is because love does conquer fear, and because the greatest fear I think that we probably have is is that death. Mm-hmm. Death is sort of the ultimate that reaper, the grim. It's likely, reaper, right? yeah. and, and Revelation speaks. So directly to that, it is the we. It, it takes away it. You know, ultimately, someday there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. He will write all things. He will make all things new, and uh, and I, I that is that is the ultimate conquering of those fears. And it can turn something that was frightening into something that is candy. <laughs> or, yeah. and that, that's, that's There's all only one doorway to... into the heavenly yes. reality, and that is through the portal of death. Yes. Or the, when, the, when the Messiah returns that's again, which is also, of course, a revelation. Uh, the book of the Revelation is all about as well. So we'll okay. get to that we'll this there. coming week. Yeah. Now, if you have not been reading through the Bible with us or listening to the scriptures, I, the entire Bible, I have recorded it, the New Living Translation, we lead, we have a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight, Monday through Friday, every weekday. Uh, you can go on any day of the week and go to thebiblelive.com. And uh, right there on the front, on the opening page, you can click on the, today's reading is right there. Or you can go to the, um, to the Bible reading page and you can kind of sort back, go back a week or a month or two. And you know, as long, long as you want to pick up any of the readings you want. But if you follow our reading schedule, you just click on that each day, Monday through Friday, and you'll hear this wonderful reading from the Scriptures, a good, clear, modern version of the Scriptures, uh, and we'll read through the entire Bible every year. So we've been reading now. We finished up the small books at the end of the New Testament, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude, last 
or week four last, I guess. Mm-hmm. And now we're into the smaller uh, minor prophets at the end of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, the Tanakh. And next week we go back and finish up uh, the book of the Revelation. And then uh, November the 8th, we, Monday, November the 8th, we'll start again at the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we'll just start right again, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll start our 22nd year. 21st year. 21st, I'm yeah. sorry, 21st year through yeah. the scriptures. Um with Genesis chapter one verse one, and yeah. so uh, I hope that you'll stay stay with us as you if you're just now joining us, or if you've gone through with us, let's go through it again. Yeah. As, that's I have a sister-in-law. Your your aunt, aunt Janice. Janice has read through the Bible. I think every year for the last twenty something years oh, as well. Just neat. it's um, amazing how each year there is something new. I mean, oh yeah, you, it, there is just. Never, it never gets old. It does not. It's uh-huh. not like uh, <laughs> several reasons for that. One is that uh, it's like an onion. You peel down, you, it the just keeps getting layers and layers and deeper and wider. But also, uh, our human experience. our human experience yeah. changes yeah. and Earth, you know, world yeah. history changes. Yeah. Whoever knew about this plague, this worldwide <laughs> pandemic, yeah. uh, all of a sudden the idea of a plague around the world doesn't right. seem so uh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, this, in, in fact, this pandemic almost takes on biblical proportions, you know, that uh, the plague takes, you know, a third of the world's population and so yeah. on. Ooh, we, uh, all of a sudden we realize, wow, this Maybe there could be something to this, and, and, and there is, of course. It's always relevant. Mm-hmm. It is, it is. Mm-hmm. So come through with us on the Bible Live. Join with us. We'll continue our way through. But tonight we're going to be commenting, and on every Sunday night, we comment on the scriptures that we read this past week. And that would mean the books of Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah. So we better get going, little daughter, because uh, we got a lot to cover. Yeah, and, and we don't have a real good track record no. of making it through the <laughs> it was whole. It a miracle we got we, through last yeah, week. Yeah, we did. We did pretty well last week. That was a, a minor miracle. Yes. Okay, let's go. Let's go to the book of Micah. Pun intended. We were in the minor prophets. A minor miracle. A minor uh, miracle that we got through the minor prophets. Very nice. All right, let's go to the book of Micah. And, of course, I think most of our listeners, well, I can't say most of them. I know we've got some who are novices. You're, you're kind of new to the scriptures, and uh, hopefully we're helping you to get a sense of these prophets and uh, their writings and when they wrote and what they wrote about and interpreting some of these uh, apocalyptic, this apocalyptic, apocalyptic imagery, these visions they yeah. had, and, and the so me- on, and the messianic prophecies, uh, and the messianic prophecies yeah. uh, as well. But but there are prophecies, prophecies about nations and the rising and falling of yeah. empires and battles and so on. Uh, but among them, there are over three hundred prophecies in the Hebrew Scriptures about the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior mm-hmm. that God uh, has been promising even from the very first book, Genesis chapter 3, mm-hmm. our first uh, verbal, right. oral mention of the promise of the Messiah. Which I think is so important because in the, it can become very tempting, especially when there's so much turmoil amongst all of the nations, mm-hmm. to become nation-centric. I mean, to, to become so focused on just what's happening um, with the people groups and with your, yeah. your very earthbound, very earthbound, right? But in the midst of that, they 
never take their eye off of a Savior's coming. Remember that seed. Remember the covenant. He's coming. The Messiah's coming. And, uh, and that's I highlighted that's so in important. our in our these minor prophets tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, each of them. Yes. In fact, is they even address that very clearly. And as we were talking before the program, mm-hmm. we see this. These are the last books of the Hebrew Scriptures. This there's going to follow the the time of. Uh, uh, Haggai, Zachari, uh, Zachariah, Malachi. Mm, I'll get it right. Haggai, Haggai Zachariah, and Malachi. Those are the three what they call post-exile or post-exilic prophets. Zechariah was actually he pro, he exercised his ministry during the rebuilding of the temple mm-hmm. in in Jerusalem. So Zechariah is kind of post, but also during <laughs> the the. Uh, Post-exile, but during the rebuilding of the temple. Then you have, um, I'm sorry, that's... Yeah, you're right, and then Malachi. Okay, yeah, yeah. and then Malachi. Uh-huh. And then you have 400 years yeah. of, of of silence in, in terms of prophetic mm-hmm. prophets, uh, no prophet of God, until uh, John the Baptist, yeah. John the Baptizer, the last of the Old Testament type prophets mm-hmm. who is to serve as a forerunner a herald of the coming of the Messiah. And so uh, w- these are going to be very interesting books that we cover tonight yeah. uh, as they come toward the end after the exile, uh, the, end, the beginning of the exile, the return of, under Zerubbabel of the first group of exiles to return uh, and, uh, and uh, somewhere around 540s. Uh, the temple is rebuilt in 515. Uh, the altar is built. That's where they usually date the 70 years of the exile from 586 to 515, 70 years there uh, from the time of the destruction of the temple and the altar to the rebuilding of the altar in the temple in Jerusalem. So um, th- that's where we are. Now we come to this prophet named Micah who is mostly remembered by his remarkable prophecy in chapter 5, verse yeah. 2, probably a major passage. If you want to have a, a memorable verse from Micah, uh, it would be probably chapter 5, verse 2. It's not the only one, but of course. But he says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past, the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Uh, and so he talks about that the Messiah, this Savior whose origins are from the distant ancient past, they are, he is to be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And that's, uh, oh, little town of Bethlehem. You know, all the, the songs we sing at Christmas about the birth of the Messiah. This is the, the book that the most famous most famously known for predicting that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. Now, we also know that Bethlehem was the home of Boaz. We've, we know that from our readings in the Old Testament. And Ruth, mm-hmm. that, that uh, Ruth the Moabitess, who returned with her mother-in-law to their, her hometown of Bethlehem and married, uh, Ruth marries Boaz and becomes the great-great-great-grandmother of of 
David and then the great, 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 grandmother of Jesus, the Messiah. So it's very interesting little circle of events there. So the book of Micah, what would you say about it, Stacey? You got anything prepared that about when he he ministered? You took my favorite, (laughs) my favorite part. I don't know why, but that little verse is one of my favorite verses, Uh uh, one of my favorite Messianic prophecies. I just love the, oh, little, you know, you, oh, little Bethlehem, out of you will come from ancient of days, you know, this this Messiah. And And Bethlehem was a tiny little town. It was not... it's not Jerusalem. It was not the center of the culture and the right. society and the religious right. realm. It and was then a, it became such a, I mean, not not only, um, but the wise men, you know, those that were looking for the Messiah, those who had not forgotten and who in their time were determined to still be on the lookout. You know, you just think of those uh-huh. um, watching the stars, watching it, and uh, they referred, I mean, I'm certain that yeah. verse yeah. came to mind for many who saw that star over Bethlehem. Yeah. And I, uh, I just, I love that. I love imagining them referencing Micah and reading those same words mm-hmm. uh, from Bethlehem, and look at this star, and look at this, and those shepherds. You know, those shepherds. You can just know that. I mean, they knew their scripture. You can know they were thinking of Micah five, five verse two. I mean, they might not have had chapters and verses at that time, but they would say, "Remember what Micah said, mm-hmm. Bethlehem," and just affirming what they saw that day, that evening, that night, that oh holy night. <laughs> you know, I think. I, I don't want to lose sight of what you said, even as we we talk about Micah here, uh-huh. that I, there is this constant battle throughout the Old Testament in, within the, within the nation of Israel, with the people of Israel and and the kings and the different and the prophets and so on. There's this constant tension between uh, their understanding of God's involvement with them as a people group and their survival as as a people, as a nation, right. and then at the same time, this over um, overlapping, this broader, bigger, greater vision of a, the spiritual kingdom yeah. of God, that God is interested in all of the human race, mm-hmm. all the different tribes and nations and people groups and languages, uh, and that the whole world. Now, we're, we're reminded of it so often. David says, let all the nations of the world, let every tongue, yeah. every nation and it's praise God. It's always you, and it's always through you. It's not mm-hmm. for you. I mean, he, it is, you know, he is for his people, but it's not, you know, through you there will mm-hmm, be a seed. Mm-hmm. Through you will come a Messiah. Through you, it's not all. It's not for you, although right. it includes them. But, but there always, is that tension. Uh-huh, and and yeah. and you were telling me before that sometimes you have felt a certain sense of uh, understanding, of empathy with the people of Israel. Uh, for example, even in the time of Jesus. Uh, he, Jesus himself, the Messiah, had to keep reminding them, my kingdom is not of this world. And, right. and yet, partially, wh- when they, 
when they left God's laws and when they stopped following after God mm-hmm. and seeking God and obeying his laws and, and worshiping they, Malek they, they and, always mm-hmm. get in trouble. Mm-hmm. They always got, you know, the, there was an exile. There was another nation that would be uh, harassing them or taking advantage of them or there would be a famine or a drought. Mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. And so you were saying that I could see how they would be a little, sure. they, a yeah, tendency yeah. might be a little toward that earthbound thinking of, of just um, becoming a more ethnocentric. Yeah, you could understand why the Pharisees were so, in a way, determined to keep the law because they had come from a time of yeah. not keeping the law. They were put into exile for 70 years, and, and they were destroyed. I mean, they saw a lot of— And here now they're under they're occupied mm-hmm. by the Roman mm-hmm. Empire, right. and, and so they're—I I get it. I really can. And yet, of course, the— we can't, we can't, it can be an explanation, but not an excuse, right. because right. there are plenty of people who did not do, yeah. and they knew yeah. that they looked for the spiritual kingdom of God, and they looked for the reign and the coming of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And when he came, they recognized him, and they, they embraced mm-hmm. the Messiah. It's not, you don't have to be one or the other, right. you know, because... Well, and I think that in Zechariah, I mean, you can see, so in Zechariah, they talk about, you know, he talks about the good shepherd and the bad shepherd, Mm -hmm. and then in John, the good shepherd and the bad shepherd, Mm -hmm. Jesus, referencing Mm -hmm. Zechariah, but also referencing, they are two completely different time periods, of course, and within both, um, in other words, not keeping the law or being uh, legalistic or being Mm -hmm. licentious, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you can fall into being a bad shepherd, by being licentious, by being legalistic. Mm-hmm. And the whole point isn't keeping God's law. It's it's knowing God's law. And it, I, maybe it's, well, you know, his law is, is love. It's that spirit of the law. It's that understanding that the law is meant to serve the great purpose mm-hmm. of the coming mm-hmm. of the Messiah. And once you lose right. track of, of his purpose and of his ways and of the individual uh, relationship that, that, n- is, that is necessary in that fulfillment of that, um, then you you lose sight and you be, you get yeah. one. Well, we're going to see that. that very well, but we're, that's all I know. It, we're struggling with it because it, it, it's a little hard to express. But we're going to see that tension between yes. the earthbound thinking and understanding and the value of the law and God's laws and so on. Uh, they do have an earthbound significance and, and importance, but far more far-reaching and yeah. broader and greater. Uh, the, the spiritual dimension and reach of it. Uh, and, and we'll see that as we go through Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah tonight here on The Bible Live. There's our music, so we've got to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Smoke a mirror, cause I know there's a God who's real. 
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. That's what I wanted to hear right there. We are back. This is the Bible Live. Soapy here, Stacy beside there me. There we, we go. Let's just finish up one final comment about Micah. Let this play just a All right. Remember this on Halloween. <laughs> That's the only ghost in the news, right? The Holy Ghost. All right, we are back. Aww, John thanks, has got John. me back on track again. I will. <laughs> I will not do that again until probably next week, <laughs> at <Next> least. <laughs> not this hour, right? Next hour. Oh, next hour. The, <laughs> Okay, Micah. I, I did want to mention one other thing about Micah, Stacy, is that uh, there's another important prophecy that Micah gives that he uh, predicts that Jerusalem will be destroyed um, mm-hmm. in, in, entirely, and it is it is uh, Jeremiah who picks up yeah. on on Micah's prophecy and and sources him yeah. that uh, Jeremiah is the one who predicts that Jerusalem will be destroyed as well but he is quoting from micah which is interesting these guys knew yeah. each other read about each other heard each other's messages they were they they were cross-referencing uh-huh. for, for sure mm-hmm. well let's go on to from micah to uh nahum mm-hmm. very interesting individual nahum we don't know a lot about him he is said in the first verse it says this, this message concerning nineveh came as a vision to nahum who lived in Elkosh. And we don't know, we don't have a reference for where Elkosh was. It, the only, the closest little thing I could find is that, and I didn't know this, Capernaum, most of you may, well, those of you who know the New Testament will recognize that Capernaum was a large major city at the the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, and it became the headquarters for Jesus' uh, earthly ministry, which was also predicted in the prophets that he his headquarters would not be Jerusalem, but be, be up uh, in the northern tribes of Israel. But uh, Capernaum, the name Capernaum means village of Nahum, which is interesting, uh, I guess, if you're trying to figure out wh- where Nahum was was from. <laughs> And I, I suppose that they, that name has something to do with the prophet Nahum. But I would imagine so. <laughs> whether or not, whether or not it was that Nahum, uh, I don't know for sure. But I did yeah. not know that uh, the Capernaum. I had never connected that with village of Nahum. Um, just a little little yeah, piece of information. Yeah. Now Nahum was called to preach to Nineveh. What other prophet? preached to Nineveh, Stacy. No, we just read we just read about him last week. Jonah. Jonah, of course. Of the, course. Probably the more famous one. But. Jonah a hundred years before had yeah. predicted that they would that remember his seven word sermon, in yeah. forty days Nineveh will be destroyed. <laughs> um and so we we 
that was a hundred years before this. Now, uh, Nahum preaches to the city of Nineveh. They that judgment was postponed due to the fact that they a great a great spiritual revival uh, went through Nineveh. The from the king down to the lower lowest of his subjects re- repented in sackcloth and ashes, and there was a tremendous change. There was true repentance, yeah. and and judgment was withheld. Uh, but now, a hundred years later, uh, Nahum is telling them that your destruction is imminent. It's it's coming for sure. And of course, his prophecy is uh, is does come to pass. It is not postponed. Uh, it's not accompanied by by repentance and revival. Uh, it it is uh, it comes about by the Babylonians and the Medes invade and destroy Nineveh in 612 B.C. So the the both Jonah's and Nahum's predictions are uh, brought about. Uh, the judgment does fall. Nineveh is destroyed, uh, but Jonah, later Jonah would be well, Jonah would be happy. Jonah would be happy. <laughs> That's right. He he would have loved to have seen that. Which I is suppose, kind of right? a, I mean, that is somewhat of it. Actually, we laugh a little bit, but that's somewhat of the point of Nahum, is that God does bring justice. Um, he uh, across all uh, he he does bring justice, and he'll use who he's going to use in his time and in the right, uh, you know, in, in his in his plan for as of history and in his bringing about the ultimate of course the messiah but um but he will use countries and he will you know i'm sure at the time jonah really was there and there was a legitimate concern i mean there really was a legitimate uh, nineveh was it had been extremely cruel i mean they had done things that were extremely yes, yes. and so and they here, were harassing in fact yes uh Israel in the north and Judah, so they were harassing uh, God's mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. and so Jonah, maybe this was a little bit of Jonah getting that mixed up we we're talking about. He's kind of confusing yeah. his zeal for his nation and country from an earthbound sort of point of view right. without viewing and without seeing the, right. the broader perspective mm-hmm. of God's eternal kingdom, right. the spiritual Revival and transformation of thousands of lives, and you know? a lot of that is wrapped up in this idea of justice mm-hmm. and what is actually just and justice, and boy, we can understand that today too, because um, you know somebody wronged me, and there is a sense that that should be put right, and God, and w- that's a good that's a good instinct mm-hmm. in, a, in a way. I mean, that comes from a God who is just, and we are created in His image, and we have that instinct of, of justice. And it's, I think we just have to remember though, that we're, we're just not, we're not God though. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, that justice uh, and that righteousness will not rule supreme until right. the righteous God, right. God himself rule, his yeah. rule is established through the Messiah. Right. And then, and then of course, and I think it's in the, the, the just, the just will live by faith. Mm-hmm. And so that ultimately, while we might have a sense of what justice is, and that's a good thing, and that God can absolutely use men to, and women to bring about justice and to work towards justice, but ultimately the just walk by faith. And that faith, of course, has to be in the, the creative and God. It's rooted in that spiritual, that relationship mm-hmm. with the living God. It, it is, it is somewhat surprising to me that all of these um, 
idyllic ideas and the very optimistic ideas of humanity about justice and social justice and all, I'm always a little bit amazed the extremes of cruelty and and harshness and injustice that people will use to get justice. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like Stalin, you know, we're going ha- to right. kill a few million people, but we're going to get the right, right. justice. We're yeah. going to get it. Or China or and India. So and even, how, even what yeah. we see in our own yeah. land sometimes, we, the cruelty that we see exercised by people who shows, are trying to get justice. Yeah, yeah. and it just shows our, um, our ultimately our, our, by our, at our own hands and by our own, our own devices how inadequate we are to bring it about. I mean, it's, re- it's really impossible. without. But God I, will do it and is doing it, yes. and we, we can know that. And, of yes. course, that's one of the messages that come from, from yes. these prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nahum was called to preach to Nineveh, uh, like Jonah, and uh, his prophecy came about. His, his messages, his book, uh, primarily are messages directed to Nineveh. And telling them that they will be destroyed, they will be judged by God, a righteous, holy God. Let's go on to Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 he's one of my favorite, actually. I like Habakkuk a lot because his book is characterized by questions. Now, I've heard anything from two to three to four. It depends on how you take some of the dialogue. It's a dialogue between the prophet Habakkuk and God. He asks God questions which is very interesting. Some people think, well, you can't question God. You can't do it. Oh, yes, you can. You know, we, we can ask God. Uh, it, it has to do, though, with can, we can ask questions to God. God doesn't resent that or, uh, at all. And we're invited to ask questions. But are we listening for the answer? You know, do we, do we really want the answer? That, that's, the, uh, that's the question, right? That's, <laughs> but, but Habakkuk begins his book, well, let's tell a little of, about him uh, in the first place. Some think that Habakkuk was, let me see, was he the one who was a, a Levite? Didn't yes. you tell uh-huh. me that? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly, some in the Jewish realm, Habakkuk is said to be the son of that uh, Phoenician woman that Isaiah, uh, no, Elijah, I'm sorry, that Elijah, remember he filled her uh, uh, jars with oil and then he he gave the, uh, her and her husband a child and who later died at age 12 or so, and then Elijah raised him from the dead. That was, if I remember correctly, the, uh, Jewish tradition says that that was Habakkuk. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, I don't know which of those or if, of any of those for, cert- for certain, but Habakkuk's book starts with his first question, how long, O oh Lord, how long must we call for help? Uh, how many of us have asked that question? Oh, Lord, when are you going to do this? When is this going to happen? When, when are you going to judge the wicked? When are you going to make things right? When, are you, when is this going to happen? And Habakkuk begins by asking that question, and God answers him. Look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your day, own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, long story short, I'm going to use the Babylonians to judge the wickedness 
of many nations and even of Israel, yeah. the, the nation, the wickedness within the people of Israel. Uh, I'm going to use the nation of Babylon, the Babylonians, to judge that wickedness and that sin. Okay, then, of course, that immediately leads to Habakkuk's sec- second question. Whoa, whoa there, Lord, I don't understand this. How could you use someone who's even more wicked than we are yeah. to judge our sin? Uh, and um kind of makes sense. I guess there's some logic to it. But that's where God says, you know, my ways are greater and higher than your ways. You don't understand. I have my means, my ways, and 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 uh, he doesn't really answer him except by faith. Yeah. And that's where we get that great passage just, of faith. Yeah, the just shall live the by faith. The just shall live by faith. That's the, um, the beginning of that passage, which we see quoted uh, several times in the New Testament as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this great principle that we experience God and his kingdom uh, by faith. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, his kingdom is not of this world. It affects this world. It is, in, it is in this world. It is active, but it, it is greater and higher. It, it's... Uh, Faith is the coin of the realm. We must exercise faith because God is doing something in the human race and in among the nations and people groups. He is carrying out his his eternal divine plan of redemption in time and space. And so, so if we lose sight of his eternal redemptive plan, we're going to lose sight of the understanding of the, the nations that rise and fall. In other words, it, if you really want to get a handle, the best handle on what God is doing in our times, in our world, you must have as a priority the harvest. You must understand that God is the greatest principle at work is that God is calling out a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people, which is quoted in Habakkuk here. Mm-hmm. And um, that that you have to understand all this taking place here on planet Earth in light of that great priority of calling out people from every nation, every tribe, every every language around the planet Earth, and how and how things will contribute to the harvest. That's one of the. It's not the only, but one of the great great principles you must always take into account. Uh, how about Habakkuk? He's got these questions. Uh, why would you use Babylon, um, a nation more wicked than Israel? Uh, it, it seems to, in some sense, to be allowing wickedness to prevail. Uh, but God says, "You just, just trust me. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, I, you're just going to have to walk by faith. Uh, the time will come when all the earth will be filled as the waters fill the sea with the awareness of the glory of God." That's in chapter three, verse fourteen. And so, God's ultimate goal, as He rules the nations, is that. Uh, the earth will be filled with the glory, the awareness of God's glory, and the, where the knowledge and the uh, relationship with God. So uh, God answers Habakkuk's questions, and uh, we are to rejoice. Habakkuk ends up by saying, Rejoice mm-hmm. in the Lord we trust. Uh, so, and if by I, faith. Yeah, and it, if I uh, said so this, Habakkuk would have been writing, just to put him his kind of context, after the destruction of. The northern of the northern tribes, mm-hmm. right? And would yes. it, but before Judah is destroyed, just before Judah is destroyed, though, is that right? 
Yes, but, but let me see, 722. Yeah. So he's after the northern tribes had already been taken by mm-hmm. Nineveh mm-hmm. and um, leading up to... Right on the edge of uh-huh. when... So kind of Jeremiah's contemporary, is that right? Yes, Habakkuk yeah. was a contemporary yeah. of Jeremiah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean... What From is, 612 yeah. to 589. Yeah. And of course, 586 was when Jerusalem was destroyed. So, so three years later. So you can certainly later. understand, like, what, what, are, what is happening, Lord? <laughs> what are you? Why is this? Because uh, mm-hmm. he's kind of in this waiting period. You can sense, he maybe could sense something and probably something not very good. But in, on one hand, you hate to see it happen. On the other hand, you, you know, if, if there is evil that is going on and, you want to see justice done. You want to see God work against evil, mm-hmm. and um, so you can probably I can I don't know you can sense I would ha- I I can I can understand why there were so many questions I guess. <laughs> exactly right. But and Habakkuk is I, I, I like his book so much because God allows his questions, uh-huh. answers his questions, yeah. and and even Zechariah ends up saying, "We rejoice in the Lord. We trust." Habakkuk, that, that's the idea. Habakkuk. Okay, let's go to, did I say? You said Zechariah, which who who also does. (laughs) But yes, and Habakkuk, kind of unlike, uh, it's interesting to see the personnel, to see Habakkuk's response and Jeremiah's response. You know, Jeremiah is a little bit more woeful. (laughs) And and then Habakkuk kind of is in the same situation as maybe even Jonah, perhaps, questioning and wondering, what are you doing, God, and why are you Mm -hmm, using... mm Seems so unjust, and yet, yeah. you, you know, kind of a, and yet, Zachariah really, I mean, Habakkuk, sorry, I keep wanting to talk about Zachariah, but Habakkuk does um, seem to weather that a lot more uh, faithfully, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because he, there's hints of music, it, there's hints of him being musical and kind of it. Oh, I just want to throw that I, out there. So, John, John, yeah. all of your music, work with music, and Maybe there is a little something of a heart of David in there somewhere, just a musician at heart with a backa. Maybe that helps. I'll have to look at that. That's (laughs) kind of interesting uh, comment there. Well, let's move on, though, to uh, Zephaniah. Uh, Zephaniah, little little is known about him as well. We we don't know a whole lot about some of the minor prophets here. but uh, He was uh, during Josiah's reign. Uh, he was a descendant of Hezekiah. Okay. Yeah, he was of the uh, Davidic line. He was in the loyal in the royal uh, lineage. Uh, you know, not number one. You know, to be king or anything. But he was in the uh, royal lineage. Uh, Zephaniah was. Um, let's see. He preached entirely during his mes- his ministry took place entirely during the reign of Josiah, which would have been very interesting. You remember Josiah, folks, is the the boy king. He was placed on the throne at age eight, and um, he uh, he he uh, as a teenager. Some years later, eight to ten years later, he read the scriptures. The scriptures were read to him by the the pro, the priest who were cleaning out the temple, which had fallen into disuse. And they read to him uh, probably the book of Deuteronomy or maybe the entire Torah, but they read to him the law of God, and it, it, it broke his heart. He rent his clothes, he wept, he, and he re, and, and repented, uh, personal repentance. And then he had the scriptures read to the people. 
uh, and it sparked a revival among the people from the temple uh, from the temple uh, steps. The scriptures were read, the laws of God were read to the people, and it sparked in them as well a sense of of repentance and and revival swept through the land. It wasn't like everybody became a believer, but there was enough. Uh, spiritual renewal and revival and sincerity that it sparked genuine revival and blessing on the land uh, and uh, the great the, the 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 boy king josiah that which is really one of the motivating factors behind the Bible live radio program is that that was one of our primary reasons way back in two thousand and one that we wanted to read the Bible over the airwaves because mm-hmm. as people hear god 's laws and god 's word. Uh, it does spark a sense of revival and a longing for God in His kingdom and His, uh, and His the life that He offers in His uh, Word, and so uh, that was one of the motivating factors. In fact, is our our first program, and the program was first called uh, our reading of the scriptures was called the Josiah Project. Actually, before it became the Bible Live, your mother came up with the Bible Live. <laughs> Name for the broadcast. Not your mother, my literal mother. Your, That's not your a, mommy. <laughs> yes. Um, my wife, your mom. Okay, so that we're we're talking about Zephaniah now. Uh, he prophesied and ministered during the time of Josiah. Uh, he said that there were three kinds of people that that God would judge and destroy uh, in Judah and Jerusalem: pagans, hypocrites, and dropouts. <laughs> There were people who would totally uh, rejected God. There were people who uh, acted like they did but didn't. And then there were those who started out but then abandoned the worship of the Lord. Uh And so he addresses those three in all of his uh, preaching, Zephaniah does. Pagans, hypocrites, and dropouts. Sounds like a criticism some people have about the church today maybe. Um, and the the great uh, principle that God will remove the proud and the arrogant. That's one of the great principles of all the scriptures is that God uh, resists the proud and the arrogant, but he lifts up the humble and the broken. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Zephaniah brings that out in his uh, scriptures, in his book as well. Anything else you wanted to add to Zephaniah? Well, let's see. He's the last of the... Before we, uh, last of the pre-exilic, I, I guess, right? So after right. Mm-hmm. Zephaniah, then we move into Haggai, and that be- is the beginning of the, the post-exilic when yes. they've returned. Exactly. Good. Okay. Good. Well put. <laughs> kind of keep these guys placed in yeah. some kind of a historical context is, is a good idea. And, it, and by the way, if you go to thebiblelive.com, I think I have placed this sheet right here, Stacey, on, yeah. on my web page i i tried um at least i know i tried to do that um sometimes when i try to switch to a pdf format or it it gets it messes it up but i have a sheet that you could see when the different prophets uh exercised their ministry during the reigns of which of the kings the kings of both israel in the north and judah in the south so it's a very helpful little um yeah it's neat you can see who's a contemporary of mm -hmm. who who was prophesying during what king and just the dates. Uh, it is. It's really interesting. So if you have a chance, go go look at that. Let's go to Haggai, Zechariah, and then Malachi will hold out and wait until 
uh, Monday night, tomorrow night, we read Malachi, mm -hmm. and then we'll discuss it the coming week when just before we talk about the book of the Revelation. Uh, so we got, we're going to go to, ha let's pick up Haggai and Zechariah uh, in the final segment. Okay. Right now, we just let people know that that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about um, these post-exilic, post-exile prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. And Haggai, they both all have to do with the rebuilding of the temple. Both Haggai and Zechariah uh, address their great priority is the rebuilding of the temple. Haggai is, is exhorting them to get it done, and then Zechariah is explaining more of why it's important that it get done. Mm. So um, we, we'll come back to that and pick up on them. Now, Haggai, well, the, all, all of these are, like I said, post-exilic, and they're probably around 515 to five, uh, 500 or 490 B.C. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz, Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.